Hello and welcome to Abemus Papam, episode 232, Gregory the 15th. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Abemus Papam. So today's Pope, like many of this time period, started out as a canon lawyer, a faithful, capable administrator who got promoted for his ability, which is kind of nice after all those Renaissance princes and all their nepotism that we've been hearing about in the past, uh, that this is kind of now the, the normal pattern. He was born Alessandro Ludovisi. He was the son of minor nobility in Bologna, and he was born on January 9th, 1554. He came to Rome with his older brother to study, first in the German college and then in the Roman college where in both cases he was taught by the Jesuits. He then returned to Bologna to study law, and he graduated in June of 1575. He then went back to Rome, and Gregory XIII appointed him to a position in the papal administration, where he gradually worked his way up, being given more and greater responsibility as time went on, until finally he was vice-regent of Rome and a judge. On April 2nd, 1612, he was appointed the Archbishop of Bologna by Pope Paul V, and he moved to Bologna to take up his see. He was a good pastoral administrator. He called diocesan synods. He lived in his diocese. And he wasn't just trying to scheme his way to even higher honors. Nevertheless, he was entrusted with a difficult diplomatic mission in 1614. And then he was created a cardinal in 1616 by Pope Paul V. He was well-liked and moderate, so that when Pope Paul V died in 1621, Cardinal Ludovisi was a natural candidate. It helped that he didn't have any big opponents at the time. So the conclave that elected him only lasted for one day. On February 9th, 1612, Cardinal Ludovisi was elected Pope, and he took the name Gregory XV after Gregory XIII, the last native of Bologna to be elected Pope, and the one who started his own curial career. Pope Gregory XV didn't have a long papacy, but it was very consequential, and we have to pick up a little bit where we last left off last time. If you remember, Pope Paul V died while celebrating the Catholic victory at the Battle of White Mountain at the beginning of the Thirty Years' War. That battle led to the downfall of Frederick V, the Protestant elector of the Palatine, and a very Catholic emperor, Ferdinand II, saw it as an opportunity to make the Holy Roman Empire Catholic again. So he, with the support of Pope Gregory XV, moved to remove Frederick V from power entirely, and especially from his role as an elector of the Holy Roman Emperor. With one Protestant removed as an elector, the Pope and the Emperor would work to put their own man into that position, and the Pope favored Maximilian of Bavaria. And Maximilian was so grateful to the Pope that when he received his position as the elector of the Palatinate, he donated the entire library of the Palatinate to the Holy See, and over 4,000 manuscripts were added to the Vatican Library. The Pope continued to support the imperial troops as they worked to reassert authority in the Palatinate with, by sending funds to the empire. But this move, though, from Bohemia at the beginning of the war to the Rhineland, which is where the Palatinate is, it did have some consequences. It brought Catholic Spain and Protestant Holland into the war on opposite sides, and it led to the war growing and not settling down. But that's kind of in the future, back now to Rome, where the Pope, a good canon lawyer, was hard at work trying to clarify the process of papal elections. Papal elections were way too political, with foreign governments exercising vetoes against candidates that they didn't like through their various national cardinals. We saw in recent episodes how Spain had really influenced papal elections, either by getting their guy elected or preventing others. The process also hadn't been updated in centuries. So like a good canon lawyer, Pope Gregory started working on how to elect a pope. And what resulted is basically how papal elections continue today, with some updates from JP too. 
His bull, Eterni Patris Filius, laid out three different ways the Pope could be elected. One, a secret ballot in which the cardinal couldn't vote for themselves, which wasn't the norm really before. Two, acclamation, where everyone just acclaimed one candidate without voting. And three, committee, where a group of cardinals were appointed to work out a candidate amongst themselves if the whole college couldn't agree. And along with these different norms for doing that, he set out detailed ceremonials of how the balloting would happen and what the process would look like. And that's where we get a lot of our traditions about the papal conclave. Now, another major task for the Pope was one that was brought to him by missionaries. Both Capuchins and Carmelites returning from the missions described how disorganized and unsupported missionary efforts were. And now that the world was so much bigger due to the exploration of European colonizers, there was more than need than ever to evangelize. So the Pope created the Congregation for the Propagation of the Faith, or Propaganda Fidei, which would organize and guide missionaries around the world. The Pope also presided over one of the most epic canonizations in history, when on March 12, 1622, he canonized St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Francis Xavier, St. Philip Neri, St. Teresa of Avila, and St. Isidore the Farmer. Now, the last thing we need to talk about is unfortunately more war. At the same time as the Thirty Years' War, there was a conflict in northern Italy or southern Switzerland. A Catholic territory in northern Italy was given to the Protestant Swiss, and in response, the Catholic natives massacred a group of Protestants. Austrian and Spanish troops moved in to control the area, while France, Venice, and Savoy formed an anti-Spanish league to try and drive them out. The Pope moved quickly to act as a mediator, sending papal forces to keep the two warring factions apart and to try and negotiate, and stopped a war for a while, but the situation wasn't resolved by the time the Pope died, which is what happened on July 8, 1623. The Pope had been sick for some time and especially suffered from gout. He was buried eventually in the new church of San Ignacio, which his nephew had built, and he was succeeded by Pope Urban VIII, who we'll talk about next time. Thank you for listening to Albemus Papam. You can find the rest of the Catholic Link podcast at catholiclink.org or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you and God bless you.